0: Love Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL podcast, our special rookies Kaepernick, Madden, Oh My edition. And here I am, a Kun Wong, editor in chief of Football Garbage Time, and with me, as usual. Ryan Whitfield, senior staff writer, Football Garbage Time. Ryan, how you doing? I'm
1: uh, doing pretty good. i uh, back from Cali, getting, uh, getting ready to you know, kind of get back in the swing of things here at home.
0: Yeah, right. I, I heard you're out in there in Cali. I got some training out there. That's a pretty good location to be in this time of year, and you managed to come back with all this rain. I don't know what you guys are looking like in Boston, but it sucks here in New York right now. Yeah, it's rainy and it was. You know, I'll tell you right now that uh, I think it rains
1: about 10 days a year in Southern Cal, and uh, it rained two of the three days I was out there. So uh, yeah. I brought the rain with <laughs> me to the West Coast, unfortunately.
0: Awesome, awesome. So I'm sure those, those Southern Cal guys are, are pretty happy that you left uh, and went back to the East Coast. But I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're happy to be back home too. And I got a, and I have to say this because of the fact, heck, my Bulls are out of it. But those Celtics, man, they uh They're up to the game seven here. What is your prediction with them and? Uh, and the Wizards coming down to Game Seven. Well,
1: you know, through the the regular season and the postseason, and all ten in all ten matchups between the two, the home teams won. So, um, you know, I'm going to say that that whole serve, and they they win. That this, you know, that was there's really only been two competitive games on uh, each other's floor last night, and then uh, Game Two where the Celtics won in overtime. So, um, yeah, I think the I think the Celtics, you know, they, they definitely missed an opportunity last night, up up by five with a minute twenty-five. Um, all they had to really do was kind of bleed the clock and make a couple, make make one or two buckets, and uh, they kind of let that one slip through the fingers. But uh, I think they bounce back and they they take it in game seven.
0: Yeah, well, John Wall is playing like a man possessed. He came out really slow, but it happened to hit the clutch shots. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. Oh, so well. I can tell you this. At least I can thank the Celtics for making it interesting because I can tell you if they were sweeping all these uh, all these playoffs, and I probably wouldn't be watching any of these games. But now it's actually must see TV for me. So good times. Well, I'll say, you know, much... I'll say real quick. Yeah. Yeah, John Wall's a punk.
1: Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, going to see him. Surprising, anything. that was. Yeah, that, that was, a, that, was a, that was a big shot. Obviously, hit for the game winner there. But I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, the the old adage in the in the in the NBA, you go for the tie at home, you go for the win on the road. You're at home in an elimination game, and you launch a deep three with with with, with five seconds left in the game. That's a stupid yeah. shot. So you know what? Sometimes stupid shots go in. But uh, from a basketball IQ standpoint, what a dumb shot that was to launch that <laughs> four feet behind the arc for the season on the line. And that's why, that's why that stupid, stupid team from Marquis North on down, um, they're a bunch of idiots, and they will, they will find a way to cough up the game down the stretch in game seven, 3 it. <laughs>
0: And there you go, folks. Ryan has started off calling somebody stupid. Not not surprising, but a little early in the show. It's good though, because there are plenty of other guys to talk about and plenty of other guys to put down. So here we go. Let's get rolling. All right, so I want to start talking about something that was a little controversial, but has been kind of sitting out there for a while, and that's Colin Kaepernick. So. As we all know, we all had some thoughts that Colin Kaepernick would have a hard time finding a starting position in the NFL. And as of March 2nd of this year, he did come out and publicly say that he wouldn't be uh, protesting anymore uh, the national anthem, so he wouldn't be taking a knee. Uh, That's fine and good, but he hasn't been able to find a place, a landing spot, and now we're past the draft, and we're at a point where it's unlikely that he'll find anything anywhere. Now, the question is, should he find a place someplace or is this something that he's just being blackballed because of his views? I mean it's a little bit it's a little bit it's a little dicey, but are, I'll point out the fact that I heard I so was watching ESPN and they had mentioned, according to Stats and information, that league average completion rate for NFL starting quarterbacks was sixty three percent, and that's including the bad ones. And Colin Kaepernick is a lifetime fifty nine point eight percent completion percentage, and there are some questions about whether he can play in the pocket. But let me just go ahead and throw it to you, Ryan. What are your thoughts?
1: About Colin Kaepernick in the free market. Yeah, you know, I, I think I've kind of couched this opinion before. Um, we've talked about this in the past, but there's really no way to couch it anymore. Um, this is this is a, this is a, you know an, an issue only because of uh, of his political beliefs, which I think is absolute horse uh, belief. bleep. Um, I, I I'm so disgusted with the NFL. You know, thank God for them that we all love the product so much because. Between guys like Ray McDonald and Ray Rice, and, you know, I, I, again, go back to Ray McDonald because people forget about just how horrible he was, you know, t- basically torturing his pregnant girlfriend. Um, but they continue to employ bad men. But don't, don't you dare stand up for black rights and voice your, and voice your opinion on the criminal justice system. Um, you can beat the crap out of women as long as people don't find out about it. That's fine. But don't you dare stand up for anything you believe in. Um, there, there were several guys the last couple of weeks on ESPN and uh, NFL Network that are close to Colin Kaepernick who said with insider knowledge that he's 100% willing to play as a backup in the NFL right now. You're telling me he's not one of the top 60 quarterbacks in the NFL, or even worse, 64? Absolute horse trap. Um, it's an embarrassment. Um, you know, it's a bunch of old, rich, white, you know, you know, uh, owners in this league. Um, who, who, you know, they, they just don't want to touch us to a 10-foot pole. and it, it's gone—it's gone beyond frustrating to the yeah. absolute, you know, uh, disgraceful that they're doing. And there's no reason you can and for whatever reason. It's a cookie and you know you see this happen most of the time. Once so, they kind of decide, you know, the, the old boy just kind of get together and decide that they don't want you. Um, there's really nothing you can do. And I'll, I'll him back here. And I know he sucked. I know he couldn't play a, a football. But, but Tim Tebow was one and one in the postseason. And had a winning record in the regular season, and somehow got blackballed. But I gotta watch. I gotta watch guys. Um, you know, the team would come back into this league who suck. You know, Case team You know, I, I, that guy gets fortune. Free. But but Tim Tebow couldn't, and, and Colin Kaepernick can't get a second chance. So uh, right. it's disgraceful, and there's no reason he shouldn't be on an NFL roster right now.
0: Well, I, so I generally agree with you, Ryan, but let me just say this. I mean, we, I think we all agree that um, Colin Kaepernick is more of a scheme quarterback. I mean, he's not a traditional pocket-passing quarterback, he actually was successful when uh, Harbaugh actually kind of built the offense around what made him good, and that allowed him to scramble, to go outside the pocket, to not stay in the pocket for very long, and not to take, like, three-step drops and go. It was more it was more of a uh, west coast offense with a running option and i think that that's the type of offense he can fit in and there's not a whole lot of teams left that actually run that type of offense so i don't know if it's necessarily is he one of the top 60 quarterbacks but is he one of the top five or six quarterbacks that could fit in that system that someone would want to take a chance on as a backup Uh, so let me ask you this question if he were to land on the backup somewhere where do you think would be a good spot for him to land up
1: you know, uh, I'm going to take a minute to pat the Patriots back here because I, I hear that, and, I, and I've heard that that excuse a lot too. Um, you know, not saying you're making excuses, but that theory. Um, good coaches coach don't coach the scheme; they coach to their players. They build their scheme around their players. Um, example, you know, the, the Patriots have done this multiple years. Or, you know, a couple years ago, they wrote up at corner because they knew they were going to go through a, a you know a gauntlet of um, uh, of of uh, passers uh that season that was the year that they had to, they had to play stafford and rogers and uh you know go through the nfc north in that huge stretch with cutler um as well as playing a couple of good afc teams and then the next year they you know last uh the last two seasons they knew they didn't have to, to load up against a lot of good you know quarterbacks so they went to they went back to zone coverages and brought in you know lesser corners and um you know and this year they know they have to go through the gauntlet again so they do it so that's you build it around the talent. You don't. I, it's so stupid to just say this is my scheme and this is how I do it, no matter what. Um, so you, you find a way to build around it. Um, you know, and my, my my main point came back to the fact that you know. Colin Kaepernick is a scheme quarterback that went to the Super Bowl one. Robert Griffin is 0-1 in the postseason and is a scheme quarterback, and he got a second chance in Cleveland. So you say where could he land? Uh, Anywhere. And if you have to make adjustments on the fly, um, you know, again, I'll go back to the Patriots. They did it last year. The Patriots don't run a high school offense, but they did it against the Houston Texans last year when they had Jacoby Brissett in there because they knew he he was an NFL arm ready. And so you just – when you know when the situation arises, you find a way. Even if that isn't your scheme going into the season, you can still you know touch it on the fly and um, and make those adjustments you know in between a week. And again, you know, I go back to the fact of the Patriots. Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt on a Sunday, and they played on a Thursday night against um, against the Texans. And in three days, they transformed into a team that fit Jacoby Brissett, where they had a running quarterback in there for the first time and. In ever, I mean, I can't remember the last time the Patriots had a, you know, a running quarterback 30, 40 years now, um, and they were able to make that adjustment. So if you're a good enough coach, you bring in the talent, and then if you need to use them, then you find a way to use them.
0: Right. Okay. So, so I I, I agree that you know the the Patriots are kind of unique in their ability to kind of scheme for their players, uh, and that's a that's obviously a credit to Bill Belichick. But you know, they let's face it, most coaches aren't Bill Belichick, but. So you kind of have to go someplace where I think the scheme might fit, you know, and if that's the case, so I think behind behind one Sean place Tyson. he could, I'm oh, sorry, Deshaun Kaiser. You give yeah, me so over the Sean they, Tyson, they, they brought behind
1: Deshaun Kaiser and Hugh Jackson's supposed to be the quarterback whisperer, so, you know, then then he needs to, you know, bring him in, and that's, that's a pretty darn good backup,
0: so. Yeah, no, I like that. I like I like Cleveland Browns for the landing. So I actually think he could be a good backup in, in Jacksonville because, quite frankly, they have a lot of running options right now, so they have a lot of potential to kind of take the pressure off their quarterback. And we've seen how successful you can be if you have a threat to run the ball with multiple running backs, and multiple halfbacks in the backfield, as well as a running quarterback. Um, and I think that uh, he could be successful there because, let's face it, Bortles is no great shakes. Um, and I also think possibly. That you might want to slide him in back there in uh, Oakland because uh, you know we saw what happened to that team once um, Derek Carr, uh, once Carr went out and basically there was there was nothing. Uh, I think he's dynamic enough that he can make plays and make things happen. Uh, and why not have him as a backup as a system like that? Any other teams you think he might land in? He might be a good fit in.
1: No, I like I like the, both of those uh, those options. You know, uh, Portals is you know routinely a, a guy only puts up stats when um when her um or when when you know down late in the game um, and then right, yeah right. Derek Carr
0: you,
1: you can't <laughs> you can the wheels fall off the ride and do that again
0: Yep All right so let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and ring the bell on that one because we got another another big topic to talk about And that is rookie minicamp which just opened up this week that's right. We got some actual football on the field now. It's exciting, exciting for everybody, and exciting particularly because of all the rookies that are out there that we've been talking about in the NFL draft. So uh, I want to go ahead and hit a couple of these, and just you give me your thoughts here on each of these and whether you think they might make an impact in 2017 based on either what you've seen in the rookie minicamp or what you think about the team composition. Number one, the number one person I want to talk about is Deshaun Watson. Now, obviously, uh, the Texans traded up pretty significantly in order to grab. Him at the number 12 spot in the NFL draft. Uh, Houston gave up a lot in order to get there. Watson has a winning record. He has a winning personality, and he has that kind of leadership uh, quality about him when he was in Clemson, and everyone agrees about that. But there's a lot of questions about whether he'll be able to convert to the NFL system. Now he did sign the contract, his first year contract last year, four years, 13.85 million. What do you think? And a lot of people say the Texans are only one person away from being a competitive team, is Deshaun Watson that
1: guy? Um, yeah, you know, I think I think he makes the Texans very scary this year. Um, you know, I think he's, uh, he's an elite, um, you know, I think he has an elite athletic skill set, and I think that uh, given um, the, the weapons they have there, if Will Fuller can get rid of the, the drop keys, um, that he can be a very, you know, effective player on that team. So I would... Um, I would absolutely say that you know I think I think he's the only quarterback I said I would take a you know a shot on um, going into the NFL this year. I and mean, given the fact that I think he has the right mentality and the right attitude as well to go with it, with his confidence, um, I think he could put it together this year.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think he can really make a difference, and I think he's much better than Tom Savage, even without any NFL experience. But I do hope they let him actually take it easy. I hope that Tom Savage starts the season. Don't put pressure on Deshaun Watson from day one. Uh, let's give him a couple games to get off some speed and take some of the pressure off. But uh, I agree with you. I think he's going to change things around there. Let's go to the next guy on my list. That's Mitchell Trubisky. All right, we all know how you feel about Mitchell Trubisky, and of course, I, we know how I feel about the Bears giving up uh, all those picks in order to move up one spot to get Mitchell Trubisky, but the question is, is he someone who could impact the Bears in 2017? In the face of the fact that they paid 16 million for Mike Glennon as a starting quarterback, what are your thoughts on on his potential to impact the Bears in 2017?
1: I mean, if the Bears are smart, they're gonna they're gonna you know bench Trubisky, give him a redshirt year, have him play behind Glennon. You put a lot of money into Glennon. Um, I don't think Trubisky's ready, anyways. So. You play Glennon, you let the kid kind of try to develop behind him, um, you know, and, and if you do start him this year, I think you're, I think, I think you don't start him unless, you know, you're late in the season, you know, like last year and you're 3-10 again, and the season's kind of over and you're like, okay, I'll give this a kid some experience, but yeah, as long as you have a shot to be competitive, um, you don't play him first, you know, he's the he's the atypical the the quarterback scouts ball in love with because he's got the big arm and he can make all the throws you know that entire that entire cliche you know, you know skill set that you know translates to to ryan leaf uh in the nfl so um i think as much as it sucks because you already have the draft capital the best thing for the bears is that glennon now with a with you know a little bit of a push and a chance um to really you know Perform that he shows that he's elevated over the last couple of years because I never thought he was terrible, um, you know, right. in Tampa Bay. I think he's always kind of gotten a raw deal. And hopefully he emerges as the guy and you just cut Trubisky and, uh, you know, you try to forget this draft ever happened.
0: Uh, I think we trade Trubisky. I think that would be the best-case scenario is that Glennon actually steps up and then we trade Trubisky for all those picks back. But we'll see what happens. All right, let's move on to the next guy, and this is somebody near and dear to my heart and yours as well. Deshaun Kaiser, Notre Dame, gets uh, slides all the way to the second round, gets picked up by the Browns. He's drawing some rave reviews from head coach Hugh Jackson at rookie minicamp. Now, the Browns don't have any plans to rush him along, but he's looking pretty solid out there, and he's saying, I'm doing all the right things. And Hugh Jackson, as a even came out and compared him, his potential at least, to being Big Ben. So what are your thoughts on Deshaun Kaiser? Does he have potential to impact the Browns in 2017?
1: God, that Ben Roethlisberger comparison is so stupid. Um, obviously, I know what he meant because he has the same kind of body and the same mobility um, and the same big downfield arm. So I, I get I get what he was saying, but you don't you don't you know reference um, an elite an elite quarterback like that. He's one, you know, most of the able to the that without kind of moron. Um, but with that said, you know I think Kaiser is an interesting prospect. I have you know I I had him kind of in the middle. You know it's kind of the same thing we talked about with the running backs. You know I said Fournette would be a bust, McCaffrey would be good, not great, and um, but I thought Dalvin Cook was the stud. So it's kind of the the same thing with the quarterbacks. I think Trubisky's the absolute dud of the group. I think, uh, you know, I'm not even going to talk about Mahomes, but I think, um, you know, the three main ones we went into the draft, that Deshaun Watson, I think, is the home run. And I think Kaiser's kind of the middle guy that could go either way. He has the skill set, he has, he has the, you know, again, the ability, he has that ability to play. Um, you know, scramble football and, and, it's, and get a cannon. But the thing we've talked about about it multiple times is that he's he's a dumb football player. His football IQ is not is not good. You know, he doesn't he has a very hard time making passes after the first read, which you can kind of get by in, in college with. But in the NFL, if you keep you know progressing your reads, you can't see him in the pocket and, and and make those reads with a quick snap adjustment. You're cooked. Right. And so,
0: yeah.
1: you know, it's it's really going to come down to Kaiser. Can he can he get into the playbook? Can he get into the film room? Can he put in that dedication? Because you can fix that, even if you're not. You know, you know, it's like anything in school. You can have a 4.0 even if you're not smart. You know, IQ is only half the battle. It's about the work ethic. So, if he goes in there, he right. puts in the work ethic, and he, he figures it out, um, he could be a very good NFL quarterback. Um, so I I wouldn't rush him along if I'm the Browns either. But at the same time. I think you've built enough on the defensive side. You have, you know, you have some weapons out there. I, I would put him out there and take your lumps this year, and hopefully you can build a little bit more off the last couple of years, and um, you know, be a six or seven win, you know, team this year, and then next year you put some more talent around him, and hopefully he's the guy for the future.
0: Right, and I think that they, if they do put him out this year, they have to commit to having him out there for more than one year, because you know they've done this too many times where they they put a new rookie quarterback out there. Four or five games, he gets destroyed. They decide to abandon him, and then they just relegate him to the bench after that, and then they cut him. And that's the recipe for disaster because we all know that Deshaun Kaiser is a project in the NFL. I think that Cody Kessler is the better quarterback right now, but Kaiser's upside is so much higher than what Cody Kessler is. I think we've seen what Cody Kessler can be, and it's not not a guy who's going to be even an Alex Smith type where he can manage that team. They're going to have to improve, and uh, Kaiser is their best chance for that. I just hope they don't put him on the wrong situation or put him in a situation to lose where he actually gets destroyed early on in the season and doesn't get a chance to, to really make any more headway. All right. Uh, so let's move on to the next guy who I know you I know you don't like, but Leonard Fournette also drawing rave reviews in rookie municamp for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, he's, they say he's doing great. He's working well with all the other rookies. He's showing some great leadership skills there. Um, he's taking command of that offense. I don't know. I mean, there's Chris Ivory and TJ Yeldon still there. What do you think the chances are that Leonard Fournette is going to impact that Jackson Jag- Jaguars, Jacksonville Jaguars uh, offense? Well, first,
1: let me, just, let me just applaud Leonard Fournette for, uh, for, for winning in, in rookie camp. God, that is an achievement. What a beast. He's having a good rookie <laughs> camp. That is amazing. Yeah. God, you know. This man this man, he might he might be the the best running back to ever to ever grace an NFL. Okay. I mean I know he has I did check one yet. I detect oh, a little bit of
0: sarcasm here. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit.
1: Um, yeah, that, that's, that's fantastic. Um you know, for for me the Jaguars they, they, their, their biggest issue is still that offensive line, um, which they didn't fix. So um, I look forward to him, you know, considering he just runs between the tackles. You know, north and south, and really doesn't bring anything else besides the fact that he's got a you know a big body. It's like, um, you know, it's it's LeBron James before he learned how to shoot. When you can just say like, oh, congrats, you're six foot six and two sixty. Wow, and you can really you can really dominate in the paint. That's that's impressive, LeBron. You know, it's the same thing. I just I don't I have I don't care for for people. I, I this is probably a personal vendetta against Cornette. I just don't care for guys that were born big. That doesn't do it for me, you know. I I guess I, like, I like big receivers, but I like guys with, with, you know, with with guts and balls that make big plays. And you know, congrats, you you won the lucky sperm club. You were born big. That that's great. So I, I look forward to him running behind an offensive line that that can block, um, you know, as well as you know my 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 horrible hatred for both team. You know, both mean, um, you know probably the like better offensive line than the Jacksonville offensive line. So. Um, oh, right. I think I think you will. You don't take a guy number four and then not start him. So they've, you know, I, I've never really been a big fan of Yeldon, anyways. I, I I think Ivory with the weird medical thing he had going on being the beginning of last season, and then he just never really seemed to get it footing last year. Um, but he was a thousand yard rusher two years ago. I just feel like he's not getting a fair streak. I think he was good enough. He built a good offensive line, and then with the weapons he had outside, I thought that was the way to go. for Jacksonville. go, but they decided to blow on. You know, you know, take the number four pick and uh, blow it out their backside, and take uh, take an overrated running back who just who just relies on his size to get it done. So, right? Um, you know, I think I think he'll start this year. Um, but I I think he runs for maybe 750 yards, and then he'll give you nothing uh, receiving out of the backfield. So, really
0: really nice versatile weapon they got there. Yeah, well, yeah, they have plenty of other options over there still, so it'll really be interesting to see what they do of all those guys. Let's go ahead and talk about the next two guys together because they're all, both running running backs going into slightly different but similar situations. Dalvin Cook going to the Vikings. He's now going to be in a running back by committee with Latavius Murray and actually has the uh, kind of uh, the, the uh, inside line at being the kind of every down back, uh, so to speak, with Latavius Murray actually going to third downs. So at least that's what's coming out, what we're hearing right now. And then then Christian McCaffrey, um, who actually was the first first-rounder to sign in May 4th, so he's all in with the Panthers, and the Panthers are all in with him, and they want to use him all over the line uh, as a receiver as well as a uh, running back. So what do you think about those two guys? Uh, what's the potential for Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey to impact their respective teams?
1: Um... You know, I think I think McCaffrey will have a pretty uh, successful season. Um, you know, I'm still worried about the overall weapons in Carolina. Mm. I think what we saw a couple seasons ago was a little bit fluky. You know, when, when Ted Ginn's putting up the numbers he put up, um, you know, that's that's not sustainable. We know what Ted Ginn Jr. is. Um, and, right. you know, I think Olsen's getting up there in age. And I still like Olsen is like, he's the guy who's, you know, he's – he puts up the numbers, and he makes big catches, but he just he just never loves him. He just looks so unathletic. It looks like it's so right. hard for him to run in the field. Um, so, you know, I think with that, and then, you know, we talked about the Kelvin Benjamin struggles last year. Um, you know, I, for surprising me, over the last few years, they've been better when he's not on the field than when he is on the field, which it's hard to really describe what that's about, especially with, you know,
0: um,
1: the skills that he brings, and then, um, Devin Funchess just isn't materializing, in my opinion. So you got two, right. two young running backs back. I think a lot will kind of be put on them to kind of try to go the, the Atlanta Falcons route or the New England Patriots route and kind of use the dual threat out of the backfield to try to open up some stuff down the field. Um, and so, you know, if they can kind of get back to those exotic running schemes they were running a couple years ago, uh, yep. you know, they, they, their run game was, was, was advanced. And, you know, they were, they were pulling centers and pulling tight ends, and it was just – um, you know a lot of crazy run plays and blocking schemes. So if they can get back to that, use those guys as passing out of the backfield. Um, I think it, I think it'll pan out. So I think McCaffrey can make a pretty uh, have a pretty solid season in Carolina. Um, and then obviously in Minnesota, you know how I feel. I think unfortunately for Latavius Murray, he's now going to be relegated, you know, relegated to at most, you know, kind of spotting Dalvin when he's winded, um, or in you know short, you know, goal to go situations or short, you know, yard situations. Um, but I think Dalvin's going to be the premier back. I don't think the Vikings realistically thought they were going to be able to, to scoop up Dalvin that that late in the second round. Um, um, I was surprised he was still sitting there, so I don't. I think they went and got Latavius. I don't think that this was a stupid pick by the Vikings because I think they had to get Latavius because they needed to get a running back and they didn't think they'd be able to go get somebody, you know, earlier and then and then be able to scoop Dalvin in the in, in the second round like they did. So um, I think it's a smart pick, and I think for Latavius Murray. It's probably uh, going to, you know, Dalvin, I, I think they'll probably give Latavius, you know, out of respect to veteran, he'll probably kind of be listed as the number one guy even into, like, uh, you know, early training, uh, training camp and into even preseason. But um, I think by the end of preseason, I think Dalvin will emerge as the, the guy who's going to be the big playmaker for them and that they're, they'll, you know, they'll put up a, they'll put up his rb one.
0: Yep. Yep. I agree with all that. And I think Dalvin Cook will be a real impact player over there. So let's ring the bell because we're running a little short on time. So let's go ahead and get to the next topic that I want to talk about. We're going to leave the Madden cover for last because I want to get your opinion on that. But let's give our way too early conference championship game predictions. Who do you think on the NFC and the AFC have the best shot to make their, their, uh, their conference championships?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to go all in on the AFC side, and I'm going to uh, – obviously, I'm taking my Patriots. They're just loaded uh, front to back, um, you know, especially with the with Butler thing. Yeah, now you have Butler and Gilmore uh, as your one-two uh, punch there. So I'm taking the Patriots, obviously, um, but I'm, I'm going to go all in what I said earlier. I don't think – I think the AFC is still really, really bad this year, and I think uh, Deshaun Watson is enough to – with a good defense and a lot of weapons on offense to elevate that Houston Texans team. Um, I think they get yep. to the AFC championship. I think – they're not ready for the moment to get absolutely slaughtered, but you know we'll say that for another day. Uh, on the NFC side, um, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go boring with it, and uh, you know the, I'm gonna take the two teams. I think the Packers, um, you know, get back uh, get back there, and I think this year the Cowboys finally win some postseason games. So I got yep, I got yep. Green Bay uh, Green Bay uh, hosting Dallas uh, this year in the NFC Championship.
0: So I agree on the AFC side. I think the Patriots are odd on, odds-on favorites, but I actually think there's a potential there's potential here for the Steelers and for the Raiders to kind of give it a shot. I actually had noted, actually, in my notes, that the Texans were my outside shot to get out there. So I do agree. Depending on how Deshaun Watson uh, shapes up, there may be some potential for the Texans to get there. But I think. Steelers and Raiders also have a shot to get there, but Patriots being the odds-on favorite on the AFC side. On the NFC, totally agree. Packers and Cowboys. I actually think the Falcons have a chance to return, and I think that the Giants have an outside shot if they can get their act together because they've improved their receiving core, both of getting uh, Evan Engram in the draft and taking Brandon Marshall uh, in the offseason. Agre- uh, so, any any thoughts on those guys?
1: Yeah, I think the Giants are a good uh, good sneaky pick in there. If uh, you, you know, the bad... The, the scary part of that is that Eli Manning doesn't appear to be good anymore, you know, to, to, cite, you know, to, to cite a line from Trent Dilfer. Um, but I don't think he is good anymore. I think he's had two bad years, and um, you know, so it'll be interesting if we can turn it around this year finally. Um, as far as the Falcons, I think no shot. That's, that's the kind of loss that just sticks in your head for forever, and I think that that team could go really, really south. Uh, you know, we'll see. If they have the resilience, then they're a scary team in the future. Um, but that, you know, one of the, that, that type of loss goes one of two ways, and I think it's going south bad.
0: Right, right. So we'll see what happens. It's so we'll way too early, but we'll have more predictions coming up soon in our next podcast. But let me ask you one more question. Madden cover, Tom Brady. Is that good or bad? What do you think?
1: I hate conspiracy theories, and I hate whiny Patriot fans. Who thinks the league's out to get them? Again, I'll, as I say often on this show, um, we did do gate. Sorry, New England. Um, but this is absolute <laughs> horse crap. There's never been a team to be featured on the Madden Kirk cover, back to back season. And they threw Brady on there on purpose. With that said, maybe Brady blow blows on ACL. Jimmy G comes in with still in the Super Bowl and it's easier for everyone to move on from Brady into the season. So maybe it's a blessing in the field. So. Yeah. That yeah. They throw Patriot players on their back to back years. This is a conspiracy against the Pats. <laughs>
0: Well, okay, I don't, I don't think it's actually going to cause him to have a bad season. Uh, oldest player to ever be on cover. I think he's actually honored by it, and I think he's going to be able to take it on. All right, we're at the end of our show. Give us your uh, your, tech, your uh, Twitter account and uh, Instagram.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm not going to give out my phone number. But um, Instagram is <laughs> football underscore garbage underscore time. Um, and then uh, the Twitter handle is at Ryan Whitfield and Eve.
0: All right, and you can follow me at f b garbage time and until next time enjoy your n f l week
1: go see you. <laughs>